My name is Tamara Gober, and I'd like to personally welcome you to the Hope Community Podcast. Before we begin, if you live in the New York City area and are looking for a church home, I'd like to take this time to invite you to our services. For time and place, check out our website at hopecommunitynyc.com. Again, thanks for listening. We hope you are encouraged by this message, and we truly pray you walk away looking more like Jesus. We are going to be in Galatians chapter 3. If you guys want to turn there, uh, we've got uh, chapter 3 today, and then um, we're going to get through verses 1 through 9. Today, that almost said this morning, because I'm used to church being in the morning, but it is not this morning. It is this afternoon-ish, evening-ish. So we will be there. Um, You know, uh, as we approach the word today, as we approach... uh, you know, um, hearing from God through his word, uh, let's all just keep in mind, he's got a work to do. He's got, he's got something for each and every one of us to walk away with today. We don't, we don't show up to church, uh, just as, you know, a thing to do. Uh, we show up to church because we want to hear from the Lord. We want to fellowship with other people and we want to be molded more into the image of his son. So that's, uh, what we're doing here today. So let's be open-minded to what he has for us, uh, and let's be submissive to his word and, uh, and his counsel. So, um, as we continue on now, uh, I started work whenever I was 16 years old. I was one of those kids that was like, Hey, when I can get a job, I want to get a job. Uh, and also money's, I like money. So I was like, I would like to get some of that. Yeah. Um, and so, I'll never forget uh, my first job that I ever had in the whole entire world. Uh, it was vacuuming Independence Middle School um, in Yukon, Oklahoma. And, uh, and so I, and I just had one, they, they were separated into pods and all I had was one pod, you know? And so that was my job for a couple of hours. Uh, that's all I did. I didn't have to do anything else except for just vacuum the floor. And that was it. And there was something, I don't know about you guys, there's something therapeutic about vacuuming. Does anybody else feel Feel that way. I don't know what it is, but it's like, you know, just going in a pattern and then watching things get clean. And, you know, I don't, I don't know what it is, but there's just something satisfying about it. I loved the job. I, you know, I, I had my music playing and, uh, and it was just me, but I remember, uh, the first paycheck that I ever got, it was like $250. That's back whenever minimum wage was $5 and 15 cents. And, uh, and it was, you know, to me, that was a whole lot of money. I'm like, man, I could, and I do remember some people are like, I make 535. And I was like, wow, you are rich. <laughs> you know, like that's amazing. Um, but like, you know, uh, anyways, he ended up like, you know, my boss or whatever, uh, ended up finding me, you know, I'm vacuuming. And of course, when you're vacuuming, is anybody scared whenever you're vacuuming, like that someone's going to sneak up behind you or something? Anybody else feel like that? Yeah. And so uh, that was my only thing about that job is I'd be vacuuming. And I'd be like, <laughs> like somebody coming. Anyways, he kind of came up behind me, scared the ever loving daylights out of me. And, uh, and he handed me the check. So I was like, oh, that's really cool. And I, you know, I'm, this is my first job. I don't know things. I don't know that, you know, probably don't open the check right there in front of him. And, you know, like, look at it and, you know, be excited. Uh, but I remember that I opened the check and I was like $250. And I just told him, I was like, thank you so much. And he was like, what are you thanking me for? He was like, I owe you that. <laughs> he was like, you don't have to thank me for anything. And I was like, huh? Yeah, you're right. You're welcome. <laughs> right. And change, change it to that. 
but you know, he's right though. Like he didn't owe me or he didn't, he didn't give me a, a gift. It wasn't like it was out of the mercy of, you know, his own loving kindness, you know, out of the overflow of his heart, out of the abundance that was flowing from heart that he was like, I'm going to go give Greg a check. Like it was, this is what he did. He earned this. Therefore he will get paid for this. And when your check comes up in the mail or, you know, I don't know, I don't know how you guys get paid. Um, or if you get paid, <laughs> Sorry, right now. but, uh, I don't know, you know, how you guys get paid. If it's, you know, maybe you get a check mailed to you, maybe it shows up in your bank account through an automatic, you know, uh, deposit. Uh, but I'm pretty sure there's no one in this room that like immediately calls up their boss and is like, I just got the paycheck. Thank you so much. No, because that is what is owed to us. We did something. We worked for it. Therefore, they owe us. Actually, if they didn't give us the money, they would be in trouble because they owe us the money, right? Now, you do a job, you get paid. It's not a gift. You get paid. And this is how many people approach God. A lot of people approach God this way. If we do good things, then our payment is heaven. That's what we get. We get paid heaven. But then at the end of the day, if that is true, okay? And remember, we're talking about Galatians where they're struggling now with going back to the law and saying, I need to work for my salvation. At the end of the day, if that's how you get to heaven, think about this. Who do you have to thank? If you can be saved through your works, at the end of the day, who do you have to thank? Yourself. You have yourself to thank, right? Not God. Your salvation wouldn't be a gift. It would be something that is owed to you. The verse that we've been referencing often because of, you know, the nature of Galatians and what's going on, and it's so perfect that goes alongside with this study, is Ephesians chapter 2, 8, and 9. And that's a verse that, that we've all been talking about a lot uh, and we've mentioned almost every single Sunday, and, I, and we'll, so we'll say it again, but it says this, for by grace you have been saved through what? Faith. And that not of yourselves, but it is a what? Gift. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. So it's not, it is not of works. It is a complete gift of God. So therefore, it's, if it is a gift, it is something that cannot be earned. You cannot do anything to earn it, all right? So if salvation is a gift, you can't be good enough. There, there are no amount of good deeds in the world that are going to make you right with God. It's a gift. And if it wasn't a gift, then it would be earned. And therefore you would be the one to thank, to be thanked for it. So we left off at the end of Galatians chapter two, a couple of weeks ago with Paul explaining to these people who once trusted, right? That it was through faith. Remember these people, these were people that were saved. These are people that Paul came in, shared the gospel, planted a church. They were filled filled with the Holy Spirit, which is what he's fixing to talk about in a second. They received the Holy Spirit, but then all of a sudden they start, there were some people that were coming in and saying, no, 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 no. We've got to follow the law. So they were like, yeah, you're probably right. We need to follow the law. So they're starting to do this. And it's not just that they were starting to follow the law. It's now what they were teaching is that it wasn't just by grace through faith. It was also through works as well. And so they were making sure that people that weren't circumcised were getting circumcised. There was this crazy mess that was going on. But they once believed the truth, though. But now they've adopted a belief in trusting the law of Moses again. 
And a person is justified by faith in Christ and not by works. That's Paul's message to them, all right? Uh, he reminded them about how if the law could save them, Christ's death was pointless. So he's intellectually arguing with them about things. Um, he also tried to show them that what they were believing uh, was not helping grace. It was actually nullifying grace. And so he's trying to show them these things. And he's been, he's been walking them through in a sort of, like I just said, an intellectual manner. But now today he's going to start making it personal for them. So Paul's been going at this, being like, hey, guys, if one plus one, if, if this plus this is this, then that means this, right? If this, then this. That's what he's been intellectually trying to argue with them. Now he's going to make it personal. And so uh, this is going to be personal for us as well. Uh, so why don't we start Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, let's read the first half of the first verse. Um, and uh, because, man, this is a, it can seem like harsh language, but it's not. Um, so verse 1 says this, Oh, foolish Galatians. You know what? Let's read the whole thing. You guys want to do that? Let's read the whole thing together. Um, chapter 3, verse 1. Let's read through verse 9. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed and crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith." So we're going to get into Abraham uh, in just a little bit, but he says some things here at the beginning uh, and starts out, which can seem kind of harsh, but he says, oh, foolish Galatians, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? If you look at other translations, it's like, who has cast a spell on you? Um, and that's what he's saying. He's basically saying like, what are you doing? He's like, this doesn't make sense. What, what, what in the world? Why am I hearing this? What? What you are doing makes absolutely no sense. It's like when your best friend starts making dumb life choices against better judgment and being told time and time again that it's not right, the right path to take. You guys have ever had a friend like that? Maybe you've been that friend before because we've, we've been there. But he's, he's going, like, have you ever looked at your friend and just gone, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing that? That's kind of what he's saying here. He's like, this is complete foolishness. It's like somebody has cast a spell on you. It's like somebody has bewitched you, is what he says. Um, foolish. Now, he's, he's again, he's not insulting their intelligence. He's not saying they have a low IQ. Paul is saying they are lacking in spiritual discernment in this moment. You're lacking in spiritual discernment. He's saying you're acting in opposition to logical thinking and what you know to be true. Have you ever done that before? Have you ever acted in opposition to what you know to be true? That's what he's saying that they're doing right there. Uh, in Psalm 14, uh, chapter 1, it says this, Only a fool says in his heart that there is no what? God. Only a fool. It's the same word. Only a fool 
says in his heart that there is no God. Now, why? The Bible's saying that a person is denying which is that which is logically obvious. Because the Bible says that, like, he's, he's, he's shown us that he's real by just creation. Just creation alone. Like, whenever you see creation, this has to be, you have to teach a child to think opposite of what I'm going to tell you. Whenever you see creation, it causes you to go, where did all this come from? Who made this? Whenever you see creation, it's evidence of a creator, right? And then God says that he's put it within every single one of us to know that there is no God. So whenever somebody says there is no God, the Bible is saying you are going against every logical bone in your body by saying that. And that's what he means by foolish. He's saying, it's not, you're dumb. It's not, it's not, you have a low IQ, you're stupid. He's saying, no, that's a foolish thing to think because it's obvious that there is a God. And, and that's what he's saying here uh, about them is he's saying, guys, it's, it's obvious. Things are obvious. Why are you acting foolish in this moment? And we'll get into it um, in just a second. But uh, so that's the type of foolishness he's talking about. He's saying the truth is right in front of you, but something is clouding your judgment. Their judgment is being clouded. He's saying this doesn't make sense why you're doing this. It's like someone has cast a spell on you. That's the only explanation he can say. He's like, it's like somebody has cast a spell on you. Um, it reminds me of like when uh, somebody starts dating someone and, they, and then all of a sudden they start acting goofy. Did you guys ever have like those friends? It was like, hey, I got my best friend. And then all of a sudden they started dating someone and then you're like, what happened? Like, who are you right now? I don't understand what's going on. And they start to kind of act like a different person. And, and you're just like, I don't, I don't know this person. Why are you acting this way? And especially whenever uh, it's someone that's not good for them, right? Whenever it's somebody that's not good for them and they start dating this person, you, you want to look at them and you just want to say, what's happening? Like what's going on? It literally is like there's a, you know what I'm saying? Now you know what I'm saying when I say it's like there's a spell that has been cast on them, right? And we know what that spell is, you know, in that moment, right? Um, it is, uh, you know, it's just that, what would the word be? Twitter pated? I'm just kidding. I was like, what's that from? Bambi? I don't remember. Um, but you know what I'm saying? It's like that, uh, it's like, uh, I don't know. People are like, we're so in love. And I'm like, you're probably in lust. You know, like, I think that's probably what you're going through right now. Uh, but, it, but that's what happens to the person. And it's like, what happened to you? Like, why are you acting so goofy? Why are you going against better judgment? You know, this isn't going to be good. You know, this isn't supposed to be how it is. Why are you going against better judgment? Um, and that's so it's like somebody has cast a spell. And sometimes, guys, we, sometimes we lack spiritual discernment. And we got to just be honest with ourselves. Sometimes I lack spiritual discernment and I praise God for friends in my life who will help me see the obvious when I'm lacking spiritual discernment in something. I need those friends. You guys need those friends. We need someone in our life that whenever we start acting foolish, somebody's like, hold up. You see, what, what is this spell that has been cast on you? Like, let me help you get to where you need to be, right? And so that's a lot of times that can happen in our lives when I'm being blinded to the truth by something that I can't see past for whatever reason, whether it be fear, maybe sometimes, maybe I'm just being stubborn. Maybe I'm just completely distracted. Uh, do you guys remember whenever, um, Jesus died and, uh, 
what, what did the disciples do? Were they, were they walking around and were they going, oh man, all right, there it's, now it's happened. Like he's dead. Everybody get ready. Oh, we're going to be over here because you better wait and see what's fixing to happen. This is going to get crazy. You guys just wait. He's going to come back. Like he's going to rise. It's going to happen. Check it out. That's not what they did. They, the Bible says that they, they were sad and they were defeated and, and they just felt confused about what was going on. And that was what's going on to them. And, and it's interesting what Jesus tells them, though, uh, whenever they were, because he's, he finds them on the road to Emmaus, completely lost and hopeless. And he tells them this, oh, foolish ones. He uses that word, that same word that we're talking about, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. You see, why didn't they do that? Why weren't they like, oh, time out? No, remember the prophecies? The prophecies, he's going to come back. Oh, hey, remember what he said about himself? He's going to come back. In fact, the only person, and we talked about it last week, the only people that remembered that he said he was coming back were the Pharisees. We're like the religious leaders. And they went to Pilate and were like, hey, remember when he said he's going to come back? We probably need to set somebody at the place so that, he, so that they don't steal his body or, you know, something crazy happens. And, and, so, and so he's saying, guys, why are you acting against what you know to be true? What has... What has distracted you from what is true? And what distracted them was, well, death, which is a pretty big deal, right? I mean, nobody, I, whenever they see Jesus die, they're like, well, nobody comes back from death. It's over. At this point, it's over. And Jesus says, no, why are you, why were you so foolish? Why didn't you believe the prophets? You knew what was true. You knew the thing that was true. Why didn't you believe them? Why didn't you believe me? You knew what was true. I'm not a liar. I've never, that's never been my character. Why didn't you believe me? You know what is true. Why didn't you follow me? Why did you get distracted? Why were you defeated? Why were you looking at what was directly in front of you? Like, like nothing bows to me. Everything bows to him. Everything. And if he calls us to do something, don't get distracted by the things that are right in front of us. We follow him in obedience. We don't want to be those foolish ones. What was in front of them distracted them to what they knew to be the truth. And you and I are prone to falling into the same trap, succumbing to the same spell. If you and I aren't careful, we will let what is in front of us blind us to what is true. Write it down. Remember it. Remember it because we, we fall prey to it so often. Because what he tells us to do sometimes is not the easiest thing to do. Um, you and I know the promises of God. We sing about the promises of God. We stand and we sing and we proclaim these things like we believe them to be true. We rejoice over them, yet sometimes when something threatens them, our trust in them diminishes. So you and I can sing all day about God being powerful. And we do. Right? We stand up here and we sing, God, you are powerful. And about how have, we have no need to fear anything because we serve a God of victory. We just sang it. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Why? Because I'm a child of God. And we all stand and we all sing it and we put our hands in the air and we're like, that's right. I'm not a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And you speak that truth out into it and you believe it in the moment that you're singing it. But what happens when we find ourselves in the fire? When we find ourselves in the fire, what happened to that? I'm no longer a slave to fear. What we're doing is we're being foolish in those moments whenever we become a slave to fear. Because what is obviously true? 
the thing that's obviously obviously true is, is, is Jesus is conqueror over everything. We don't have to be a slave to fear, but yet sometimes we do that. And we can sing all day about how we serve a trustworthy God who has a wonderful plan for our lives. But what happens when things get hard? Is he no longer trustworthy? He is. Do we all of a sudden start, you know, do we all of a sudden start to doubt where he has us in life? Sometimes we do. Sometimes we do this. Hardship or opposition isn't a time to abandon our confidence in the Lord. That's when we need to embrace it the most. So don't do the foolish thing. Don't let what is tempting you bewitch you. All right, because it can do that. Those things that tempt us can bewitch us. Um, so practical things. Maybe there's somebody in this room. Maybe you're waiting to step out in faith and follow the Lord because you don't, maybe you're just waiting to do that and waiting to step out because you don't understand how he's going to lead you through it. And I say this with all loving kindness, foolish person, God is your provider. <laughs> don't, don't, don't be foolish. Don't pretend that he doesn't provide for his people when he calls them to do something. So maybe you're sitting in this room and you're going, I know that I'm supposed to do something, but it doesn't make sense. Sense bows its knee to Jesus. Okay. Have you, have you, maybe you've stepped out in faith. All right. And now you find yourself in some seemingly impossible or hard situation and you're doubting where he has you because you can't see an end to the struggle. Maybe, maybe the reason, you know, you're like, God, I moved here, right? For some of us, it's like, I moved here for this. Like I moved here to share the gospel. I moved here for all this stuff. And now I find myself in this completely hard situation that I do not see a way out of. And again, we need to remind ourselves, hey, foolish person, God is your sustainer. <laughs> all right. He is. Do you trust him? Do, are these just empty words that you're singing? Do we trust it or do we not? Uh, he is completely trustworthy. Um, so let's be reminded that we serve a savior who brings impossible to possible. He makes sense out of the senseless and he never fails his children. Can we just like ingrain that like somewhere? Like, well, let's, I mean, like engrave it, like uh, tattoos are a thing. Maybe I'll do that to remind myself all the time, Right that he will never fail his children because guys, a lot of the times the way I act is like, I believe that God fails his children, but he doesn't. And I know, I know that to be true. Um, the Galatians know the promises of God. They know what they experienced at salvation. They know what they experienced, yet they're choosing to allow the pressure around them to pull them away from what they know is true. So Paul is trying to, you know, do through what he's trying to do through this entire book is unblind them. They've been bewitched, right? He's trying to take that spell off of them. He's trying to unblind them and, uh, and, and trying to make them not so foolish. He's trying to pull them out of that. So he's going to remind them of their own personal experience in the next few, few verses. And so this is what he goes on to say in verse 1b. says this, It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Now, they weren't there. They weren't there at it. The NLT says it like this. His death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. So basically what Paul is saying, he's saying, whenever I showed up, whenever I got there and I planted this church, whenever I shared the gospel with you, 
I painted such a clear picture of Jesus's death on the cross. It was completely clear, so clear, it was like they experienced it for themselves. That's what he's saying right here. He's saying, I, I, I painted it so clear. And so he's saying, remember it. Go back. Go back to whenever I shared the gospel with you. Go back to whenever I painted that picture of what Jesus did for you on that cross. What did you believe then? Why did you leave it? Why did you leave it? What, what was it? And when we have times of doubt in our lives or we have moments of confusion, take yourself back to the cross. Always take yourself back to the cross. Paint that mental image again in your mind of all Christ endured on your behalf and remind yourself of why he did it. Man, that's such a good idea. It's a great practice that, that, that we can have that I personally need to have in those moments. Take myself back to the cross. It's, it, it, I have been, the gospel has been so plainly, you know, I, I don't know about you guys, but I can picture it like I was there. Like it has been so plainly talked about and, and, and discussed and, and shown to me that it's, it's like I was there and I just need to go back to those moments. Uh, and when you do, it will bring you clarity of mind whenever you take yourself back to the cross. Cause sometimes guys, our brains can get filled and flooded with all of these things and sometimes we just need to shut it up and we need to just go back to the cross and just start there and, and then build from there. Uh, and then in verse two, he goes on, he says this. This is a great point that he says. He says, let me ask you only this. It's a personal question. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? So again, he's trying to convince them it's not by the law that you're saved. It's by grace through faith only that you're saved through Jesus and he's saying, now remember, whenever you receive the Holy Spirit, right? Did you receive the Holy Spirit in the middle of a bunch of works that you were doing? Or did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And that's whenever they received the Holy Spirit. They heard it and they had faith. And that's whenever they received it. The proof of your salvation is the Holy Spirit. You never have to doubt. The proof of your salvation is the Holy Spirit. And when they put their faith and trust in Christ, they received the Holy Spirit. And they became, as the Bible says, a new creation, right? Um, it was like I told you guys last week in, in my own personal testimony that, that I was once this way. And then whenever I trusted in Christ, I became a completely new creation. Completely new. You know why? Because that's when the Holy Spirit took up residency in my life. That's what happened in my life. Um, I became a born again person, as the Bible says. And people ask me all the time, they're like, how, do, how can I know for certain that I'm saved? Have you guys ever been asked that question? Sometimes people come up to you and they're like, I mean, I, I've been in church, uh, but how can I know for certain that I'm saved? And which, by the way, I, I love that question because it means that people are wrestling with it. They're trying to figure it out um, and, uh, you know, and, and. Sometimes people are, you know, people will say things like, well, you don't need to doubt that. You know, they're like, I'm just doubting my salvation. People are like, you don't need to doubt that. Did you say a prayer? You said a prayer? Just, did you write the, did you write down the verse in your Bible? Or did you write down the date in your Bible when you got saved? Good. Well, just remind yourself of that date. Anytime you doubt your salvation, go to that date right there. That's pretty, that can be dangerous to say that to someone. Uh, because when was the last time the devil was trying to convince someone they weren't saved? <laughs> Never, right? He, does, he wants you to continue to not be saved forever. So it's not, that's just a devil attacking you. When's the devil going to be like, I don't think you're saved. I don't think. 
I don't think you're saved. No, it's not going to happen. It could be the Holy Spirit going, hey, you're not. That's what happened in my life. That's what happened in my I could have wrote down a date. I could have said, no, this is when I was baptized. But the Holy Spirit was like, you are not saved. And I was like, ooh, I probably should check that out. They were given the Holy Spirit. That's whenever they were saved. And whenever some people, and whenever some people, and I, I want to add this. If anybody comes to you and they ask if they're, they're like, you know, I'm not sure if I'm saved or not. Um, the evidence is the Holy Spirit. And so I always ask that person, is there evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life? That's where you need to go first. Is there evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life? I, I wish like, you know, people are like, hey, um, you know, if you were a superhero, what, you know, what would your power be? Right. People say that kind of stuff. Um, and people are like, oh, man, I would want to like be super strong or I would want to be I would want like to fly. That would be kind of cool, actually. Um, I'd want to fly or, you know, whatever, uh, be bulletproof. I don't know. I wouldn't, I mean, who's getting shot at that much, but still, uh, you know, but, uh, but here's the, the thing that I would love to have. <laughs> and I've always said this and I, forever, I want to be, I would love to be able just to tell if someone was saved or not. That'd be legit, right? It's like x-ray vision, but Holy Spirit, right? So you're like looking in, you're like, am I saved? I don't know. Let me look. And then all of a sudden you see the Holy Spirit inside of them or you don't, right? That would be so cool. Especially if you're like walking around, you're like, who do I share the gospel with today? Oh, that'd probably be super overwhelming, actually. <laughs> so <laughs> you couldn't leave your house. <laughs> you're like, oh, I'm so overwhelmed. Um, but but we can't do that. But, but the Bible does say that you will know a non-believer by their fruits, so you'll also know a believer by their fruits. Do they have the fruits of the Holy Spirit, right? Um, and so you've got to ask, Romans chapter 8, verse 9 says this, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. All right? And then in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, it says this, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. And so we are to test ourselves to see if we're in the faith or not. Um, and then one thing that I tell people all the time, the book of first John is awesome. And if you go in the book of first John, it will say, these are signs. Like it will say, this is what a believer looks like. This is what a non-believer looks like. And I always tell them, put a line down the middle of the paper, go through first John on the left-hand side, write what a believer looks like. As you, as you come across something on the right-hand side, write down what a non-believer looks like and write it down. And then whenever you are done writing all those things down, Go over the list and see which one you identify with the most. And if you identify with the non-believer side, there's no harm in you giving your life to Jesus right then and there. Even, even if there's any doubt at all, just do it. Just, just get it right. Submit to him in that moment. Say, God, I don't know, but I, I want to give my life to you. Um, and, then, and then be encouraged if your life is, is on the other side where it says, this is, what the, this is what a believer looks like. Be encouraged by that. Uh, and, and, and so these Galatians, they received the Holy Spirit upon hearing and believing and trusting in the message that Paul preached to them. They did not receive it by obeying the law, him by obeying. I said it. Mm, we're working on that, right, guys? Man, when that's, in, when that's told to you for your whole entire life, the Holy Spirit is a he, the Holy Spirit is not an it, all right? Um, but, uh, but they didn't receive him by obeying the law. And, uh, and so going on in verse three and four, he says this, he says, are you so foolish? He says it again, having begun by the spirit, right? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? 
Did you suffer so many things in vain if indeed it was in vain? Mike used a big word a couple of weeks ago, a weeks ago called sanctification uh, on Wednesday night. And, and that's a fancy word for growing in your faith. That's what we do is we grow in our faith. And Paul's basically appealing, you know, not only to the fact that they were saved, whenever they were saved, they received the Holy Spirit as salvation, but he's also crediting their growth in their faith to the Holy Spirit as well. So he's like, he's like, having begun in the spirit, what are you now being perfected by the flesh? Like, so you began in the spirit. Now you're saying to go back to the law because now it's going to perfect you? In your flesh, that's not, that's not how things work. That's, that's what he's saying. It's not the law that's keeping, uh, that they are keeping that is perfecting them. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the reason you desire to follow Christ. You never desired obedience before you were saved. Nobody desired obedience before they were saved. So he's saying to them, he's saying, remember, you were given the Holy Spirit by faith and you were growing by faith. Why are you now adding the law back in? What does it add to anything, the only thing it adds is the yoke of slavery that we talked about a few weeks ago that it, that it puts upon a, a person. So, uh, so now Paul's going to switch gears in, in verse 5. He gives one last appeal to their experience, and then he switches to Scripture. Uh, so in verse 5, he says, Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with Faith. So that word among right there can also be translated within. So he's talking about that miracle that has taken place within them, which is salvation. He's saying, so the person who supplies the spirit, is he who supplies the spirit to you and works that miracle of salvation in you, do they do so by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? And that phrase, hearing with faith, is the perfect segue to Paul's next reasoning and pleading with them to get them to abandon their trust in the law for any spiritual life at all. So verse six, here he goes, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. That is genius that he just appealed to about Abraham because he knows his audience. So he's like, hey, you're trusting in the law. Abraham didn't even trust in the law. And I'm sure that if they're sitting there, they're going, you know what? That's right. That's very true. Abraham didn't even trust in the law. There is, there's no one that the Jewish people revered more than Abraham. He was the father of the nation. Is anybody singing a song in their head right now? Mm-hmm. Grew up in church, you know what I'm talking about. Abraham was given the initial covenant by God. Uh, and Abraham's obedience led to the entire Jewish nation. All right. So he was the first person ever circumcised as well. Abraham was a righteous man. Nobody would doubt that. Not one of them would be like, well, Abraham didn't follow the law, so he probably wasn't righteous. No, they all knew that he was righteous. But what made Abraham righteous? Was it the fact that he was circumcised? No. Was it by following the law? No. That's not what the scriptures say. In Genesis chapter 15, God tells Abraham all that he's going to do through him and through like his offspring. And then he says in verse 6, Abram believed the Lord and he credited, credited it to him as righteousness. So what was it that saved Abraham? What was it that made Abraham righteous? He believed God. That's it. It wasn't a law. It wasn't anything that he did. It was just him believing. Abram believed that through one of his offspring, God would bring salvation to the world. And because of his faith in God, God declared Abraham righteous. Some people are like, how do people get saved in the Old Testament? It's a great question. You know, um, and, and this is a great example of that because like, man, if Jesus didn't die yet. How were they saved in the old Testament? Well, it's by faith. 
The same thing. How are we saved in the New Testament? By faith. By faith in who? A risen Savior. Who, who are they saved by? Faith in who? A coming Savior. So it's all faith. It's always faith. Abraham was saved through faith. The same thing he believed whenever God told him, I'm going to bless the nations. I'm going through you. There is going to be the Messiah. Abraham believed it. And God said in that moment, that's whenever he was credited with righteousness. He was given righteousness. It's not for a, a few more years in Genesis 17 that Abraham would even be circumcised. So he's already given righteousness. He's already told you are righteous. He's been given that. God's given his grace to him. He hasn't even been circumcised yet. It's not for a few years. And by the way, the law doesn't show up for another 400 years. So it's definitely not by following the law. And so, uh, so he gets um, to be called righteous because of his faith. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, it says, But the righteous one will live by his faith. Uh, in Galatians 3.11, which we'll get to next week, says, Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. So the Galatians became righteous before God, not by works, but by believing God, by faith, just like Abraham. Now, this is awesome. Obedience, and we can always remember this, all right? And, and you can share this with other people. Obedience doesn't produce saving faith. It's saving faith that produces obedience, all right? That's how that works. It's not you working to be saved. It's your works come from your salvation. And, uh, and I'm talking about radical obedience. Like when a person is saved, radical obedience follows that. It's incredible because, because the faith that you have didn't only save you, it's what continues you to live. Like it's what, it's what carries you through life, that same faith, and it leads to a radical obedience. Um, when you trust God, well, let's say this, Abraham's faith led him to, this is, this is radical obedience. Abraham didn't leave things so that he could be made righteous. Abraham was made righteous. He left everything, right, to follow God. And it led him to even nearly sacrifice the promised son that God, that God gave him. That's, that's radical faith. Whenever God's like, I'm going to give you a son, now I want you to go sacrifice. That doesn't make any sense. That's okay. That's his faith that he had. Listen to what type of radical obedience faith brought for some of our heroes in the faith, like in Hebrews chapter 11. We'll put this up on the screen for you guys. I think it might be tiny. Oh, no, it's good. All right, cool. Um, it says this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 33, okay? These are all men of faith, women of faith that, that are great examples for us. By faith, these people, this is, what, this is what faith produced in these people. They overthrew kingdoms. They ruled with justice and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from the dead or from death, but others uh, were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half and others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in 
in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. What in the world would cause somebody to do such crazy, crazy things? It's a love for God. That's what causes people to do insane things for him is because of their love. They don't do these things in order to be saved. No, you pick the easy stuff to do in order to be saved. If you're trusting your works for salvation, you're like, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read my Bible. And if somebody's like, uh, we're going to whip you, you're going to be like, I'm good, right? I'm, I'm all right. No, what makes someone go through all of that stuff? It's a saving faith. It's a radical love for God. This is um, uh, just a truth that, that while I was thinking through this, God just hit me with, and I'm going to try to remember it for the rest of my life. Obedience from faith shows our love for God. Obedience for faith shows our love for ourselves. And that's what God wants. He wants, he wants people that love him. He doesn't want people that love themselves. But if you're trusting in, if you're, tr if you're trusting in your works for salvation, then who do you really love? You're not doing this for God. You're doing this for yourself. You're doing this because you love yourself. Um, so people who are saved by grace through faith, they also live by grace through faith. I mentioned that a little bit earlier. And as I was prepping for this, I had to ask myself, like this, this, while I was prepping for this whole thing, man, I'm telling you, like it hit me like a ton of bricks, um, especially this part right here, uh, because I had to ask myself, Greg, how's your faith? How's your, I'm not just talking about my overall faith. Like I'm talking about my daily faith. How is my faith? Is it still leading to a radical daily life? That's something that I have to remember. Am I still living a radical daily life? So I believed God at salvation, but am I still believing God daily? Because remember, that's what faith is. It's believing God. I believed him for my salvation. I believed him whenever we moved here. I believed him for, you know, all of these decisions that I've made. Whenever I entered into ministry, I believed him. And, uh, you know, all of these things I believed him. But, but the thing is, sometimes I think I can consider myself okay because I've done those things. But belief is a daily thing. Do I believe him every single day? And guys, I had to be honest with myself. My answer was no. My answer was no. Sometimes my faith in God doesn't look all that strong. And sometimes I'm foolish. <laughs> sometimes I'm bewitched by fears. And it causes me not to believe God. Not not to believe in him, but to believe him in that moment. Right? Faith isn't just like a shot that you get. Oh, I have faith. I'm good. Right? Faith is a thing that's every single day that we have to work out. Believing God is not just a one-time thing. It's like, oh, I believe God. I'm good. No, it's an everyday thing that we believe. And personally for me, I sometimes, this is just me, sometimes I fear people thinking that I'm a fool for what I believe before I get a chance to explain to them why I believe what I believe, right? Um, that may sound dumb, but like I, I just have this fear uh, of, of, I don't know, like looking, looking foolish, like looking dumb in other people's eyes, you know? Um, and it's crazy because, you know, like for instance, and I know it's so weird, like 
you have, it, I don't, maybe God's just doing something in my heart here with this, but because it was like, uh, whenever I was doing this, I can't remember what day it was, but it was street sweeping day. And so I had to move my car. And so like, I'm, you know, I took all my stuff to the car and I was like, I'm gonna work out of the car. And whenever I was going through this and I was like studying this and I was looking into this and I was just meditating on the scripture and I was thinking about all the things, it was almost like God was just like, are you believing in me? Like, yes, you believed in me. Are you continuing to believe in me? And I, and I was looking out my, my um, windshield and I was just like looking out at Brooklyn and I was just looking at things. I was watching people walk by and all this. And I thought, I'm more scared of them than I have faith in God. Why am I so scared of them? Right? What, what is that? Like, where does that come from? Why do I feel uncomfortable? Why do, I, why do I fear them? It's almost like I, I'm walking on eggshells because I, feel, I fear what they're going to think about me or they'll think that I'm foolish or I don't want them to put down my religion. Like I don't want them to put down God. I don't want them to put down, you know, uh, Christianity or anything like that. I don't want to hear that. Um, and so I, I just rather kind of be undercover a little bit and then pick and choose whenever I'm like, oh, now I'm getting, you know, the opportunity has presented itself. I'll share instead of making an opportunity present itself in order to share. And, uh, and I'll give you an example because I mean, I'm telling you, whenever God teaches you something, he's going to like give you that moment, um, to follow in obedience. And, uh, and, and I shared this with some of you guys, but, um, you know, yesterday, uh, during the ladies' brunch, we were going to the park. I needed to record a video for um, our our church back uh, in Louisiana uh, that we came from, and uh, and so you know I'm recording this video, and I, I'm like, this will look great outside. I'm telling you guys though, I'm kind of nervous because I'm like, okay, I'm, I've got you know my script is like talking about God, talking about how awesome God is, how God does other things, and I just pictured people walking by and being like. <laughs> Oh, that guy's dumb. That guy's naive. That guy is, he believes in fairy tales. Like that guy's a little messed up. Um, and, and, you know, maybe that's dumb to think, but it was just what I was thinking. And so I set up my tripod, I set up my phone and, and, uh, you know, and I, and I'm, I'm like press record on it. And then I'm just like, okay. And then I'm like, Hey, Cypress. Hey, everybody. Uh, this is great. Thank you guys so much for your prayers for us. We know God's working because, you know, we know you guys are praying for us because God's doing a lot of stuff here. He's provided this, he's provided that. And I noticed myself like looking beyond the camera to see who's coming and then looking like in the camera to see who's coming behind me. Right. And I'm just like, oh, you know, and whenever, whenever people would walk by, I'd be like, oh, stop it. <laughs> you know, I was like, let's redo it. Take 47. Right. And, uh, but here, but it was so funny because I set my tripod down, like I'm going through a couple of takes and this woman, I, there's a bench right there. This woman just comes up and sits down on the bench, like six feet from me, which was good. Social distancing. But, uh, but like right there. And so I was like, uh, this is awkward. Like, I was like, I don't know what to do. And in that moment, in that moment, in my spirit, I heard, do you believe me? It was weird. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah. Okay. So I hit play and, uh, and I'm doing it again. I'm like, Hey, you know, pastor hope community, blah, blah. blah. And she's just looking at me so distracting by the way, but she's just looking at me and, and, and like, I'm one of those people that are like kind of OCD with the video, you know? And so I'm like, you know, take 47 again, I'm serious. And, um, I'll do it again. I don't feel like my inflection in the voice was a good right there. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm redoing it and stuff. And so she probably heard me say pastor of hope community, like five times. And, uh, and I press stop again. Cause I'm like, Oh man, I, you know, I, I messed up on a word or whatever. And she just goes, excuse me. And I was like, yes. 
Uh, and she was like, because in my mind, whenever God was like, do you believe me? I thought to myself, what if she needs to hear this? And so, um, and so I was like, yes. And she was like, what is hope community? What is that? Where are you guys? Is this a church? This is a church. Uh, and I was like, yeah, we're a church. We meet blah, blah, blah. We talked for 45 minutes, 45 minutes. This lady asked me every question under the sun. You know, the first question she asked me was, do you really believe that Jesus was resurrected? I was like, I just preached on this last Sunday. Let me tell you about it. Um, and, uh, and she was like, cause I just don't know. I was like, really? I said, yeah, well, let me, you know, I was like, well, you know, historically, you know, I was like going through all this stuff with her. Um, and, uh, and I was like, you know, there's the overwhelming evidence that, yeah, he did. Like he definitely resurrected. And she was like, okay. And she was like, so what are you guys? You're like Catholic. What is it? And I was like, no, we're Protestant. Um, you know, and then she kind of shared with me her experience, you know, as a Catholic, as a child. Now she's, she said, she's nothing. Um, you know, and she said, and she started saying things like, but you know, I know that I'm a good person, you know, all of these things. And she was just asking me all these crazy questions. Like, like, uh, she was like, why, why was Jesus, why did he turn on the Jews? And I was like, turn on the Jews. He was like the best Jew that ever lived. And I was like, he, he definitely didn't like, it was a continuation. She was like, I don't get Judaism. I don't get Catholicism. I don't get Christianity. What is Protestantism? When did Protestants come around? Were they first or were Catholics first? Like we're going through like church history. We're going through like the gospel, like straight up sharing the gospel. And she was like, you know what? Like she ended up, uh, I mean, we were there for 45 minutes. Um, which thanks for babysitting my kids, by the way, that whole time. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I appreciate that. And, and their kids. <laughs> so, you know, um, but uh, everything was fine. But yeah. Um, but, you know, I, we talked for probably 45 minutes and, and she had to go. But she, she was like, is there, is there, can I come to like your church? I was really hoping she would actually be here today. Um, but she was like, can I come to your church? And I was like, absolutely. You can come to my church. You know, I always have a card in my pocket. So I handed her one of our cards and I just said, Hey, look, I said, I know that like, you know, you're trusting like works for salvation and things like that. But I'm just telling you, if you can do it by yourself, then Jesus didn't have to die. There's more to this. I was like, and I would love to continue this conversation too. And, uh, and so I'll, we'll see, we'll see if she walks in the doors or not. But, it, but it was that moment that God is like, do you believe, do you believe me? Um, I need to have more moments like that. I need to have more moments of, of believing, uh, not just like an overall belief, like a belief in every moment of every day. So, you know, who knows where I'm going to be next and God's just going to be like, do you believe me? So we'll see what happens. Um, it's exciting though, because I know that we serve a God who never fails his kids. Like we just talked about that. Uh, so it's cool. Um, but anyway, so he goes on uh, with the rest of... Um, the verse and uh, do we have it up there, Tamara? Good. Uh, I don't have it on my note, so we can read it together. Actually, I do have my Bible right here. Um, in verse seven, he says, "Know then that uh, it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. It's not people of the, of the law." And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So I love that he used their own personal life with it um, and made it personal for them. And, uh, and guys, there's no, I mean, never ever is there any doubt after studying Galatians, after, you know, other scriptures and things like that. It's belief. That's it. It's just belief. It's belief in God that he is, you know, that he is, that Jesus is the Messiah um, and putting your faith in that. That's what saves people. That's whenever you get the Holy Spirit. It's not, uh, 
It's not by, it's not by doing anything. We can never trust ourselves for it. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, please visit our website at hopecommunitynyc.com.